and welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, sponsored by AltitudeWithGaming.com. Save up to 30% off on your entire order with the promo code BIGBLUE30. Alex Skyovich Project back in. We have some stuff to talk about today, as we always do. Interesting topics relating to the games and other topics on the side as well. So, two Giants went to the Pro Bowl. We'll go through that and the positives and the negatives from the Giants loss against the Cleveland Browns, the points to make, the analytics, and the snap counts. So... Without further ado, let's get right to it. Um, two Giants made the Pro Bowl. One unexpected and one expected. Evan Ingram and James Bradbury. So just for stats-wise, I'm going to read it out right now. Bradbury, three interceptions on the year, 17 pass deflections, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. He's allowed a 60% completion percentage in coverage. I don't know if this is updated, though. Well, actually, it is because he didn't play against the Browns. He's allowed 80 targets, but completion-wise, he's only given a 48, so that is 60%. 11.3 per completion and 6.8 yards per target. He's allowed three touchdowns, 77.2 passer rating, and he's allowed 543 yards. So, again, Bradbury, all-around impressive, very physical as a corner, and he 110% deserved this Pro Bowl spot. Now, Evan Ingram, on the other hand, we're going to talk about him, and I'm going to you know, just lay out some just direct headline, quote, whatever, just my general thoughts on his Pro Bowl nomination. This year, he has 54 receptions for 572 yards, more yards than George Kittle, actually, but Kittle's injured, so that would make sense. Only one touchdown. I forget when that touchdown was in the passing game. I would have to go back and think about it, but he did have a huge game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Six receptions, 129 yards. His worst game had to be against the Pittsburgh Steelers week one. Seven targets, two receptions, nine yards. A touchdown was actually against the Washington football team the second time around. So that just tells you, you know, he makes his appearances worthwhile on occasion. Um, he's had a very disappointing year. Apparently his run blocking has gotten better. I haven't seen it, but let me just cut it forward here do I agree with this now what does it prove it proves that the NFL Pro Bowl obviously it's an all-star game but they call it a Pro Bowl is a popularity contest I've been saying this for the longest time why doesn't Kevin Zeitler get in why doesn't Snacks Harrison get in it's a popularity contest Kevin Zeitler is not necessarily popular neither is Damon Harrison but Evan Ingram, he's a you know he's a popular tight end, whether it be for bad reasons or good reasons. And Evan Ingram did not play well this year. Now, will I be harping and saying, "Oh, Evan Ingram, you know he didn't deserve the Pro Bowl"? I'm not going to harp on it like that. I disagree with it. But hey, one of our players went to the Pro Bowl. Two of them, but one of them, you know, a lot of people disagree with. And I'm going to root for Evan Ingram. Do I want him traded in the offseason? Do I hate him sometimes because of the drop balls and the insufficient blocking? Yeah, sure. I think any Giants fan would be mad at that. But I'm not going to sit here and go ahead and say, oh, Evan Ingram, you know, this, this, and this. I'm not going to waste my time on it. I'm not. Because I'm a team player. I root for my team. And these are the same people. And there's a lot of, you know, people are making highlight reels and saying, oh, Ingram doesn't deserve the Pro Bowl. It's fine to joke about it. And this is my opinion. It's fine to joke about, you know, oh, Evan Ingram's going to the Pro Bowl. He had the worst season of his career. Yeah, it's fine to joke about it. But if you're a Giants fan 
and you're actually saying, oh, he doesn't deserve it, and you keep repetitively going at it, then what are you rooting for this team for? I understand, you know, some players getting the Pro Bowl because of popularity. Hell, look at Xavier Rhodes last year. I'm pretty sure a lot of Vikings fans were surprised last year. Xavier Rhodes was one of the worst corners in football. He made the Pro Bowl because he's popular. Did he make the Pro Bowl this year? I have to check the rosters or if he's an alternative because I'm pretty sure he had a very up year in Indianapolis. My point is you should not be... Just because the NFL, you know, has a popularity contest by fans voting, and I understand fans have a say, but my point is do not stop rooting for your team and don't root against one of your players. That's the same type of people. And listen... I've really dealt with the absolute assumption that Dave Gettleman might be gone after this year. Do I want him gone? No. Would I be, oh, Dave Gettleman, he should have stayed, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I'm not going to you know, do that. Because I am a guy that says, if, did they you know, do this with the best interest of the team? And we're going to get into that later because there's a certain report by Tony Pauline that we'll go over. But again... Let Giant fans be Giant fans and root against their team. This team, you know, it's hella frustrating to see this team lose. And for how many seasons in a row? Another losing season. I think it's 8 out of 9 now. Because 2016 was the only outlier. But my point is, just root for your team. And this team is on its way to winning. So why are we rooting against them? Just because we want to prove ourselves right? And just because we want to, you know, get our draft pick, get a quarterback or something? That's how fans are, guys. Just keep that in mind. And I know I, every podcast I bring up, oh, the fans, the fans, the fans. I'm going to give you my side of the perspective. Because it's not just going to be some, you know, clickbait content that just goes, oh, this, this, and this. You know, just states the stats and the analytics. No. I'm going to give you my side of not just the football side. I'm going to give you my side of the fan side. Because I see Twitter. I see Instagram. I see YouTube. And I have a fair and unbiased opinion when it comes to the Giants fan base. And it's pretty divided right now. Because a lot of people are saying, oh, we still have a chance to the playoffs. A lot of people are saying, oh, we don't have a chance to the playoffs. A lot of people are saying, oh, uh, you know, Dave Gettleman should be fired. Anyone who likes him is trash. And then the other side saying, oh, Dave Gettleman, you know, uh, he should not be fired because you got to see it through. It doesn't matter what side I'm on. And you guys already know, if you guys listen to my podcasts and watch my YouTube videos and see, you know, when I go on different YouTuber streams, that I'm a pro Gettleman guy. Will I throw a fit if he's fired? No. Because I'm not necessarily surprised. But with the GM, you have to see his way through and you can't fire him after three seasons. That's my opinion. But we're going to move on to the Giants-Browns game. So let's go into the positives. The first positive that I'm going after right here is the fact that the offensive line played extremely well. I don't know how many pressures or, you know, hits they gave up, but they only gave up one sack. Andrew Thomas, listen, you guys can, you know, sit here and make excuses. It's not necessarily an excuse. I feel bad for him. Miles Garrett, he had COVID. He had all the symptoms, you know. Um, he had, like, loss of sense and taste and smell. He had loss of uh, breath on occasion. He had all the types of symptoms, trust me. And... You know, it's hard to come back from that. From personal experiences with people I know, yeah, it's hard to come back from that. But is it impressive? And he did get two sacks last week. 
against the Baltimore Ravens. But is it impressive to see a rookie offensive tackle coming off a game where he gave up two sacks to a bunch of nobodies and then, you know, not give up, actually gave up a sack at the last minute to Miles Garrett. But does, you know, is it impressive to see that Andrew Thomas completely stonewalled Miles Garrett when everybody's saying, oh, Miles Garrett's going to destroy the Giants? He held him to one sack and he played so much impressive. And the sack doesn't even count for me. Not, you know, wiping Andrew Thomas clean or anything. But what I'm saying is, like, that was towards the end of the game when we were trying to get something going on offense. You know, what did that affect? Nothing. Because we were down 20-6, to I think, at that point. So that's just the point I want to state right there. Let's see what next. Cole McCoy did what he had to do. I feel like he played better against the Browns than he did against the Seahawks. And he threw a touchdown against the Seahawks. I think he did what he needed to do as the backup quarterback. I do think we need a quarterback in the offseason, the backup quarterback, meaning, because, you know, even though Colt McCoy is, you know, decent, I would still like maybe, I don't know, Jacoby Brissett. There's a couple of options out there. I think uh, a couple more options that are viable for the Giants. Brissett's one of them. There's like two other that I had on my mind on Twitter the other day. But nonetheless, he did his job. 61% completion percentage. 19 for 31, 221 yards, and 56 QBR. So, you know, that's there. Dexter Lawrence got a sack. I'm proud of him for that. That's a negative, partially leading into one, but I'm going to get into that later. We did well against the run. 3.5 yards per carry for the Cleveland rushing offense. Nick Chubb, Dearness Johnson, Kareem Hunt, Baker Mayfield. Except for Dearness Johnson, which obviously his longest was a 21-yard run. 3.3 yards per carry for Chubb. It was on my fantasy team, even though we got a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, 3.0 yards per carry. Baker Mayfield, 2.8, even though it was like running away from pressure and stuff. You know, nothing was designed for him. But we kept talking about it. Repeatedly, Giants content creators were talking. We need to stop the run. We did a perfect job of it. Other than the rushing touchdown, which obviously the defense, and I'll explain the compromise later, what the defense had to make. The defense did well against the run. They're continuing to do that. They're probably still top five in the league. And when you know we have players like Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Blake Martinez, you know, it just happens that way. And it's, I said this before. It's not about just the defensive linemen. It's about the linebackers. Carter Coughlin, Tate Crowder. Those guys are building in their roles for the Giants. Devontae Downs, not so much, and we'll get into that. Receiving wasn't too bad. Uh, I believe it was better than the last game and the game in Seattle, where you had, like, the leading receiver was, like, one reception for 38 yards. It really um, turned better this game. And I'm going to explain why in about two minutes, or actually a minute or so, because that's the next topic. Darius Lane. Four receptions, 74 yards. His longest was a 35-yard deep ball. Sterling Shepard, four receptions, 51 yards. Evan Ingram, 4 for 46. Levine Toilola, 1 for 14. Deion Lewis, 2 for 14. Tate, 2 for 13. I mean, if you look, just by stats-wise, and you could also tell, like, when you're watching the game with your eyes, that the passing game wasn't perfect, but you could see that there was some sort of improvement over what happened in Seattle. And let's get into it now. I'm seeing more aggressiveness out of this team. And I'm going to go into the negatives with this. Unfortunately, the execution does not add up. Now that it is the quarterback, in my opinion. 
Now, I said that Cole McCoy did his job. There were a lot of deep balls. I think more than I expected with this ball club. With Freddie Kitchens' offensive coordinator. Because everybody's saying, oh, this is going to be the same, the same, the same. Pretty similar. But we were taking more deep shots than Garrett Wood. So we know he's the conservative guy now. It's not Judge. Kitchens. More deep balls. But the problem is, you're doing it with the wrong quarterback. If Kitchens was the play caller next week against the Ravens, and maybe Garrett has symptoms or something, I don't wish COVID against anybody. But if Kitchens was the play caller, you'll definitely see you'll definitely see some deep shots, whether it's McCoy, whether it's Jones. And let's get back to the aggressiveness, just the overall aggressiveness of the team. The first two drives that we were in the red zone, we didn't get any points. The first play call with the fake field goal, I thought that was completely stupid. I like the aggressiveness. Completely stupid, though. Why is it completely stupid? Because you're fourth and five. Why not just bring your offense out and go for it? I thought play calling, that was stupid. And I don't think Judge, you know, was right in the mindset there. I like the aggressiveness, though. Fourth and five. And he even said it. Field goals weren't going to win this game. And I don't know where the Giants fans are coming out. Oh, you know, he should have kicked the field goal. You know what? Y'all have been complaining how many times this year. Oh, Judge, you know, he just takes the field goal and everything. Now that he's aggressive, y'all are saying, oh, just take the field goal. I think we're a little late in the season for that, guys. And the second one, people were coming after it. It was a fourth and two with guys in the box. Yeah, the guys were in the box, and maybe they should have scripted something else. In Madden... And in any situation, I would have went for it. Because you have to be aggressive. Especially even, you know, I may put this into a Madden perspective. And I may, you know, say, oh, this Madden, this Madden, this. Because that's like, you know, I don't actually play football professionally. I just watch it and I break it down. But I would have went for it on fourth and two. Maybe a similar play, to be honest with you. And it's a shame when Gallman did not get to the sticks. Unfortunately. But you know what? You guys were wishing for aggressiveness. I was too. Happy with the aggressiveness. Just let's get the execution correct. Let's get the players correct. Let's get the play calls correct. Let's get it with the correct personnel. You want to take downfield shots? Daniel Jones is good at that. One of the best quarterbacks in the league when he does that with like completion percentage or was like passer rating. It was like a stat. It was like 19 for something when he goes deep. So... Let's do it with the right quarterback, and let's not sit in a conservative play calling where you don't know what Daniel Jones' true strengths are, and, you know, you guys get rid of him, and you don't know what he was supposed to be, what his strengths were, and now you just wasted a pick. So, we'll see about everything with that at the end of the season, but again, we have two more games to go, and I'm just excited to see Giants football every week. And the Giants did what you guys wanted, truly. Even though it's not a playoff year, there were still some meaningful games. The next two are meaningful. No matter what. I mean, I don't know. Let's say, you know, Carolina loses to Washington. I, that's where we draw the line to the playoffs. That's my opinion. Because if Washington can beat Carolina, they may beat Philly in Philly. We almost did, but the defense, you know, couldn't keep up. So the Giants missed James Bradbury. And it showed very, very much. Mayfield had over 300 passing yards 
and his completion percentage was pretty good. And that stymied the defense in a certain way. And it was bad. It wasn't like truly, oh my God, they're giving up yards every play, they're not doing this, doing that. If they would have passed the ball every play and not run it any play at all in the game, I think they would have gotten a lot further with the points. Because from the way I saw it, they were going a lot of zone. And you had Julian Love on the outside, you had McKinney in the slot, and you had Isaac Yadam at the other cornerback position. And I don't necessarily blame Patrick Graham for not totally trusting the corners because they ran a lot of zone, a lot, a lot of soft zone for this defense. But you have to get pressure. You have to get back there because if you don't get back there, your secondary is already going to have a hard time. And it adds on more to it. And let's see. Let's look at the stats, everybody. One quarterback hit, one sack. That's Dexter Lawrence for you. Three pressures. So, and we're going to talk about this at the end because it impacts it. But I just feel like either the cornerback depth has to be there or there needs to be a better plan for the defense. And trust me, I don't think they did, oh my God, horrible. But I think they could have done a better job in these certain zone plays like the one with Devontae Downs like what are you doing man you're just standing on the field for no reason Austin Hooper wide open in the back of the end zone but we get the sense of why everybody's clamoring for two different things and we'll get to that later let's see offense stymied other than the run game which didn't even do that well it was like 70 yards on the ground or something second game in a row without you know over 100 rushing yards we didn't do anything. Yeah, passing yards, 221. That's like most probably, you know, up there with the most passing yards we've had all season because we've sucked in the passing category and we can't get it in, in the run game. It's just not there. I mean, I may sound like I have a loss of words, but it's the same thing every game, no matter the quarterback. And... I think the Giants have to take a certain amount of steps and get a certain amount of players and get the right people to have this offense working well. So when Jones comes back, hopefully, and the Giants maybe, I don't know, if somehow in the blue sky somebody says Garrett misses another week, Kitchens is a play caller, I think you may see some improvement from Daniel Jones. And he does go up against a good Ravens defense, by the way, next week. We'll talk about that on Friday. Now, Matt Parrott, he did not play. I said the offensive line did well, but that one friggin' holding penalty by Cameron Fleming, he's got to hold every time. But unfortunately, Matt Parrott did not get his share of rookie snaps because he had an illness, and Joe Judge said, you know what, we got to keep him out. It was a last-minute thing, apparently. So um, let's go to the points to make. And this is what I was talking about when I was, you know, trying to lead a cliffhanger coming from the pastor standpoint, coming from the corner standpoint. Cornerback depth is needed. You know, Darnay Holmes, James Bradbury were out. You got Julian Love coming down to play corner. You got Yadam playing corner. You got McKinney in the slot. Yeah, it's all cool and everything, but you need corner depth. That's why the Giants need to take corner either in the first round, the second round, or the third round. Patrick Certain, Sean Wade, those two are good prospects. I have not looked at the whole class of corners. But Yadam, listen... 
I've had my grievances about him. He's done a nice job in the last couple of games, but he's not corner two. And if you could have him as a fourth or a fifth corner, you're pretty much set in my opinion. Because let's idolize it like this. Let's imagine it like this. Bradbury, your corner one next year. Giants draft another corner. He's corner two. Darnay Holmes in the slot. Isaac Yadam, fourth corner. You sign somebody else or you do an undrafted free agent as the fifth corner. You're set with guys on the practice squad as well. And the problem is that they had to elevate a bunch of guys. Quincy Wilson, I don't know how many snaps he played on defense. Probably not much. Probably all special teams. Jaron Williams, the rookie at, uh, at Albany. I don't know how many snaps he played. Probably all special teams. The week before, Brandon Williams. He's not going to play outside corner. He's playing special teams. That's why I believe, you know, cornerback depth is so important. And we saw it last year. Because James Betcher was running through guys and, you know, trying to do this complex scheme. And I've had so many arguments with people about it. But Antonio Hamilton, he was a special teams guy. They put him out there week one, play second cornerback. He got absolutely demolished. I mean, just look how many yards were put up on him. Couldn't do anything. And then they put him in against the Eagles the last week of the season. Like, it is so essential that the Giants get a cornerback. Or two. Who knows? Adding on to that, no pressure because of no man-to-man reliance on the back end. It's pretty much what I was summing to earlier. You got sticks at corner, meaning like replacements. That's what I mean by that. You got Julian Love... Who hasn't played corner a lot in the NFL. I mean, the last time he played, like, corner a lot was at Notre Dame. And Isaac Yadam, not a number one. So he's playing number two still, I guess. So, point to make there. That's reliance on the back end. You know, McKinney's still not playing, like, a ton of snaps. And he's getting all these snaps at slot corner. And he's played all over the field. So, you know, that just shows... The Giants need corner depth, but it also brings me to this. Do the Giants emphasize an edge rusher like everybody wants them to? Personally, I'm not convinced. And this is, you know, this is not necessarily a rip on the Giants. At least from my standpoint. Do I think we need an edge rusher? Yes. Because that way you have the edge rusher, he comes in, creates some pressure, and the rest of the guys can get to him. I like Leonard Williams. I think he's a fine player in the run game and the passing game. He's done a hell lot this year that I did not expect. With like 40 some odd pressures and eight and a half quarterback sacks. But he's not going to be the guy that saves you every time. You need someone to dominate off the edge. And it's going to be tricky this offseason. And I'm not going to talk a whole lot about the offseason because we're still in 2020 as of right now. We're still in the 2020 season with two games left to go. But the Giants have to re-sign Williams... Resign Tomlinson, make a couple of decisions. Because I don't think Tate's going to be here next year. I don't think Solder's going to be here next year. There's a lot of dead cap in there. But there's a lot of savings in there. So the Giants have to prioritize, in my opinion, in-house stuff before they go out to free agency. Before they go out to the draft. Because what's the one thing that's been good for the Giants this season? The defense. You want to keep familiarity. And you want to keep a continuity mentality. That's what they got to do, in my opinion. But do I believe that they emphasize an edge rusher like we all do? I don't think so. 
I think they just think, in my opinion, that, oh my God, Bradbury was out. Let's go draft the corner just in case. And that if we could pressure with the same guys and get to them and not rely on the back end, we're fine. They're trying to do it the Belichickian way. And it's a peculiar way of going at it. And I give them credits for trying to do something different than modern NFL. But does it work when you don't have a dominant edge rusher like a Chase Young, like a Yannick Nagakwe, like a TJ Watt? We'll see in the future, guys. But you guys want to rant, oh, the Giants didn't pick an edge rusher? Let yourselves know that I warned you. Because I don't think the Giants are set on an edge rusher, personally. If they pick an edge rusher in the first two rounds, I'll say I'm wrong. I'll say, you know what? I doubted the Giants. I said they were not going to pick an edge rusher in the first two rounds. They picked an edge rusher. I will say it on the draft stream when it happens. Because I know I will be going live for that draft. Okay, next one. Does Jason Garrett's return change the script on the amount of aggressiveness on the offense? I think so. But I also think Joe Judge might have something to say to him. Coming back. Because Freddie Kitchens, he took some deep shots with Cole McCoy. He wasn't coaching scared. Now, with going for it, that's like sort of a different story. Because, you know, obviously the fourth and two run, yeah, that was in the box. But that's aggressiveness. And it's just, I think it's a different philosophy than when we're talking about Garrett being conservative. Because that's a head coach decision, whether you go for it or not on fourth down. There's also the type of plays. And I think in many situations, if Garrett coached the offense last Sunday against the Browns, I think you would have seen so many fewer deep shots and shots that McCoy made to Slayton and the other guys. I think you would have seen fewer, like that catch Ingram made. I don't think that Jason Garrett would have called that. Who knows? But I think... In this philosophy, in this side of the ball, in my thoughts, Joe Judge's aggressiveness does not change. I think it gets better throughout the rest of the season. I just don't think that Garrett's unaggressiveness will not change. And that could be subduing the quarterback. This could be harming the quarterback, Daniel Jones, because he flourishes at throwing the deep ball. What are we not doing? Throwing the deep ball. Next one. Giants playoff hopes need to come down to certain situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm not going to be mad, unlike other Giant fans and Giant content creators, if you don't make the playoffs. Because development matters more than playoffs this year. It would be great. Sure, it's like an incentive. But I don't really see us making the playoffs, in my opinion. Unless some tricky situation plays out and maybe Washington loses the next two. I don't know. Unless we beat the Ravens, unless we beat the Cowboys. I don't know that will happen, to be honest with you. And I'm not mad. I'm not necessarily mad. I mean, I've been, you know, pretty much, I would say, adapted to losing because of the Knicks, because of this team in the last couple of years. But I'm not mad. Because what was it supposed to be this year? What was supposed to be this year? This year was supposed to be a developmental year. And the fact that the Giants are playing meaningful games in December in a COVID year where they have a new staff teaching the quarterback new things 
and it implemented new defensive scheme and that you know they've made progress like this and we beat an over 500 team like the Seahawks and we beat the Eagles for the first time in how many years that's progress to me and this is not like you know 2018 where supposedly there was progress at the end of the season we didn't beat the Eagles no we didn't yeah we beat the Bears we also beat a Alex Smithless football team well then they were the Redskins but then the next game we crapped out for the rest of the season shut out by the Titans lost by one point in two straight games to the Colts to the Cowboys I had some sort of hope but then it all went down when we went into a full rebuild and I'm not saying that's all Gettleman's fault but the fact that when you're in a rebuild with all young kids and your coaching staff is horrible and doesn't teach that's when your hope goes down and that's why that coaching staff could never get it done because they didn't teach it's either go by our scheme or get out it's the opposite with this coaching staff so let's get to the Tony Pauline news on Dave Gettleman so apparently according to Tony Pauline um, the Giants would rather move on from Dave Gettleman and put somebody by Joe Judge and work with him rather than keeping Gettleman but they're still undecided so here are my thoughts on this and I've been harping for so many weeks that the Giants need to keep Dave Gettleman because you need to see you know the plan through and through you don't need to have multiple general managers in how many years that's how a dysfunctional organization works that's how the Knicks work that's how the Jets work not just a bad image just just bad on the inside as well and I've been harping you know keep Gettleman this year has been really a monumental say towards what would the future look like because of all the drafting he's done the couple free agent signings and yes I have not liked a lot of his moves but we can't just be sitting here hiring a GM every two years and complaining about it because early criticism comes and you're moving on to the next mistake and I'm not saying the Giants will or will not make the right hire at GM if they move on from Gettleman because sometimes you don't know or the saying is you don't know something or how good it is till it is gone and if we get a new GM let's just say and he doesn't know how to draft but knows how to do free agency that's going to be troubling and I understand that we only have a few more pieces to collect for this team to be very good but drafting is how you build teams these days it's not free agency free agency that was how many years ago in modern sports that was NBA that was NFL that was MLB all of it's done by trading for prospects and drafting if you draft correctly you'll be good you just have to have a good coaching staff but my point is if the Giants get rid of Gettleman I'll say look I disagree with it and I'm not going to sit here and harp on the subject and say, oh, you know, Gettleman's gone. Either I'm going to celebrate or I'm going to, you know, riot in the streets. No, I'm not going to do that because I'm mature. And that's what a lot of Giants fans and a lot of Giants content creators are not. They're not mature because a lot of them act like babies when, you know, something is done and they don't like it. And that's how a fan reaction comes out. But that's not my point right now. 
if Gettleman is fired, let that be a good or bad decision, and I will say something on it, and I will shut my mouth from there. That's how I'm going to be. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, uh, you know, I should have said, you know, uh, you know, Dave, Dave Gettleman should have been fired. Uh, the next GM, they're going to bring in his mistake. No, I'm not going to say that. Just because, you know, people are rooting out there for Gettleman likers to, you know, be bullied on Twitter. Just because people are doing that doesn't mean that I will because I'm the better person and I have logical thinking. And I never to myself on the back because of my thoughts and everything. But I'm just reasonable like that. So, to finally end off this, if he does get fired, I'll accept it. I'll say, look, we'll see what the new GM is going to look like. We'll see if Judge and him work well together. And if he stays, I'll say, look, give Gettleman another year. And this team could be winning very, very soon. So let's move on to some analytics of the week. Andrew Thomas, just like last week, Andrew Thomas ranks ninth in run block win rate as an offensive tackle. Will Hernandez ranks third in run block win rate as an offensive guard. Giants 32nd in pass rush win rate. Giants are 10th in run stop win rate. Giants are 31st in pass block win rate. And Giants are 14th in run block win rate. So let's move on to the final subject, which is the snap counts. Here's offense. Obviously, you won't see any Matt Parrott. Thomas, Gates, Fleming, Zeitler, McCoy. They all played 100% of the snaps as 54. Slayton played 87%. Ingram played 80%. Shepard played 70%. Lemieux played 63%. Obviously, he was rotating with Will Hernandez. So Hernandez got three. So Hernandez got 37% of the snaps. Tate got 56%. Smith, Caden Smith got 44%, Gallman got 43%, Hernandez got 37%, as I mentioned, Toy Lolo, 33%, same with Deion Lewis, Alfred Morris, 24%, Elijah Penny, 15%, Austin Mack, 13%, CJ Board, 2%. So let's move on to the defense. Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, and Blake Martinez, 100%. Julian Love and Isaac Yadam, 95%. Leonard Williams and Dalva Tomlinson, 50%. Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson, 78%. Dexter Lawrence, 75%. Tate Crowder, 70%. Xavier McKinney, 64%, which is probably the highest of his career. Jabal Sheard, 45%. Carter Coughlin, 44%. David Mayo, 39%. BJ Hill, 33%. Austin Johnson, 31%. Nico Lalos, 25%. Devontae Downs, 17%. And Adrian Colbert, 9%. So, overall, from this game... I don't know who expected us to win this game. I didn't. And I said that on my pregame sort of show with Nick Santola from After Further Review Podcast of All Your Sports. I probably will be doing it this Sunday with him. Um, again, because I like that talk. I like talking to people. Um, I'll probably go live on Instagram a couple of times because I know I get some views on there. But anyway, thank you guys for supporting me. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, the platforms can be found down bottom for the podcast if you're looking for it spotify podbean apple podcast google podcast overcast Castbox, iHeartRadio, amazon music subscribe to our subscribe to our youtube channel turn the notifications on so you can always join the conversation and comment like and also follow us on instagram and twitter at big balloon the bronx thank you guys and i will and i'll probably do a pre-recording on thursday because friday i would like to spend time with my family for christmas but doesn't matter 
Thank you guys. I always produce the content. Thank you guys for supporting me, and we will see you on Friday.